Good day! My name is Sky, and I appreciate you spending some study time with me. I'm here to help you make money in online poker by teaching you key strategies and getting you to take action. So I was looking through some uh, podcast analytics the other day, and I was wondering what were the number one episodes from given years. And in 2019, the number one episode was dropped on July 26th, and it's called Finding the Fold, episode number 248. Now, I know folding isn't really a sexy topic, but it is super important. You know how hard it is to give up those big over cards, pocket ace, or over pairs, pocket aces, pocket kings, top pair, top kicker, weak two pair hands, all that kind of stuff, right? But in this episode, I help you find the fold with some really strong, smart strategies. So go to the show notes page, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod 248 for the show notes page for this replay episode. Well then, let's talk about the unsexy topic of finding the fold. Gambate! It appears we have lost our sex appeal, Captain. Good work, Commander. In the future, if I have any questions about mating behavior, I'll know where to go. So we all know that aggression wins in poker. But what does that mean for the passive play of calling? Well, just the opposite. Calling does not win in poker. At least in the long run, it doesn't. Calling is simply hopeful poker. You're hoping to win at showdown or hoping that you hit a strong hand on the next street. Aggression, on the other hand, with bets and raises instead of calls, that gives you an additional way to win the pot by getting your opponent to fold right now. This episode isn't going to be about turning calls into raises, though, to get those folds. I'm talking about turning calls into good folds in order to save you valuable chips. So what is a good fold? A good fold is one that saves you money. And here are some common examples, and you've all been in these situations a hundred times, right? Maybe folding when you know your hand is inferior, no matter the strength of your hand. That's a good fold. Also, folding when you know you just cannot bluff them off their hand, either now or later on. Or maybe mucking your hand when you're unsure of the situation. Of course, another good fold is folding when they're charging you too much to draw to your hand. And lastly, another good fold is folding in order to avoid a worse situation in a bigger pot later on. One of my favorite sayings is, a penny saved is a penny earned. And that's true in life, it's true in business, and it's also true in poker. Here's another saying I like. The longer you stay in pots with no hand, the longer you stay in the micros. Now, the people that stay in pots far too long, they're often the mark at the poker table. You know, that's the player that you're trying to target, right? These marks are mostly the fish. They're the ones you're always trying to play hands against because they just call too frequently and they give too much value. And that's what makes a fish a fish. It's all the calling that they do. They call too often pre-flop because they just can't give up their blinds, they love seeing flops, or it's suited. And they call too often post-flop because they have some kind of showdown value. Maybe they're on a draw. Maybe they don't understand the strength of their hand. Or they just don't want to be bluffed again. The fish don't put enough thought into their calls. And many of them treat calling as a default. They just don't really consider what their call means. And that's why they stay in the microstakes for far too long. Their calls are constantly negative EV. So they're giving money to their betting and raising opponents. Now, most of the time, our bad calls are with either a draw or some sort of weak showdown-worthy hand, like one single pair. 
For the rest of this podcast, I'm going to discuss folding pairs or better when you know your beat. Folding draws, that's relatively easy, especially once you understand and practice that outs and odds math. So I'll save that for a future episode. Now, calling with a worse made hand is where we lose most of our money. And these are some common situations, right? Calling with top pair versus a two pair hand. Uh, we've all done that. Calling with ace king on the ace seven XXX board. And the villain has a seven for two pair to beat our ace king, right? Another example is calling with second pair versus a bluffer. You know they love to bluff, so you just decide to call and you pray that you're good. Also, calling with a weaker flush happens. And calling with a flopped straight versus a rivered flush. We do that all the time. We just don't want to believe that they went runner-runner to hit their flush. And one last one, calling with a set versus a straight or better. When you flop that set of fives, it's so tough to give it up when the third straight card, the fourth straight card, or even that three flush comes on the board. If you watch televised poker, uh, the most exciting moments are the big bluffs or the crazy suckouts or somebody getting fold like into bluff shoving against them, right? But folding, that's never glamorous. There's nothing exciting there, except if you're the person pulling off a great bluff on the other side of the coin, the guy that folds, eh, no big deal. He just folded versus a bluff. But winning poker is folding poker. It's not glamorous, but it is winning for sure. And let's just think about pre-flop first. I ran a report in Poker Tracker 4 to find winning players with over 3,000 hands in my database. Uh, the report brought back 32 winners with 3,000 or more hands, and their VPIPs range anywhere from 11 to 30 percent. Now, let's look at that highest percentage. If your VPIP is 30 percent, what are you doing for the remaining uh, 70% of the time? Yep, you guessed it. You're folding. These winning players are folding preflop anywhere from 70% up to 89% of the time. So yes, winning poker is folding poker. If I look at the winningest players in my database with a win rate greater than 10 big blinds per 100 hands, they fold between 71 and 81% of the time preflop. So we could just average that to say 75% of the time. That means... Three out of every four hands dealt to them, they are folding. And that's kind of a lot of folding, but it also leads to a lot of winning. Now, how often do you fold preflop? Just whip out your database, take a look at your VPIP percentage, and subtract that from 100%. That's how often you fold. If you're a constant loser at the microstakes, my guess is you fold maybe 65% of the time or even less. That means you're V-pipping way too much, and you must be more selective in your preflop hand choices. So that's preflop, but what about postflop? So out of those 32 winners, I found that 21 of them fold greater than 50% of the time versus a flop bet or a flop raise. 17 fold um, a greater than 50% versus a turn bet. 18 fold greater than 50% of the time versus a turn raise. 25 of them fold 50% of the time versus a river bet, and 18 of them fold 50% of the time versus a river raise. So versus each of these bets or raises on the various streets, more than half of these winning players are folding more than half of the time. So if you look at your database and you're folding less than this, you're probably not folding enough, and those stationy tendencies are leading to losses. Now, you might hate folding, but folding gives you an additional benefit. It allows you to exit the hand and save you money. But 
you're still involved in the hand. Not involved, you're still sitting at the table, so you can learn from it if there are other players still involved. You aren't required to get to showdown to learn from a hand. You basically just need to observe it. In live poker, make sure you continue watching the action and learn how your opponents play after you fold. Of course, online players used to do this as well. But it's kind of tough when you're multi-tabling, and that's where database and hand history reviews with a program like Poker Tracker 4 really comes in handy. It saves the details of every single hand for you uh, when you're playing, so you can move on to the next table and ignore that prior hand. All you need to do is take the time to review your database in a study session and do some hand-reading exercises to learn from those showdown hands that you folded. So here's a question for you. When are you going to finally learn to fold? So you know that you've made the same type of mistaken call over and over again. And I don't mean like a mistaken call like you misclicked, right? No, 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 no. You made a call that you should not have made. All the signs were there that you were beat, but you still clicked that call button. You actually knew in your gut that they just hit their straight or hit their flush or they have a better two-pair hand or they have a set versus your top pair, whatever. In your gut, you knew that they beat you, but you still clicked the call. Now, how did you know that you were beat? Maybe it was their bet size, maybe it was their HUD stats, maybe it was their tendencies, or maybe it was the fact that you've played with this player over thousands of hands and you just knew that you were beat. Maybe you were arranging them from pre-flop to the flop to the turn, you realized what hands could have been making the calls on every street, and lots of draws were in that range. The draw completed the river, you knew they had it, they suddenly let out for two-thirds pot. Yeah, you knew you were beat, but you still clicked call. You ignored your gut and your pride and maybe your heart took over and it forced you uh, to click that call instead of that fold button. Or maybe you simply just haven't learned your lesson yet, even though you've made these failed calls time and time again. So I'm going to help you finally learn this lesson. If you go to the show notes page for today, you'll find three different screenshots for filtering through Poker Tracker 4 to find three common and yet terrible calling situations. I recommend that you follow along in your own database right now as I discuss each of these. You're probably going to find that you are a big loser when making at least one of these common calling errors. So the first common calling error is double barrel c-betting, then calling a river bet with a one pair hand. Now the filter for this is a little complicated. The first part, c-bet on the turn. Second part, called any river bet. Third part, made one pair on any street using one whole card. And lastly, you need to put in a filter that says you did not make two pair, didn't make three of a kind, no straight, no flush, no full house, you didn't make four of a kind, and you didn't make a straight flush either. So it limits you to simply having pairs when you made your call. Once again, go to the show notes page to see what this screenshot or see what this filter looks like in the screenshot. When I took a look at my database after filtering for this, my win rate in this situation is negative 2,178 big blinds per 100 hands. If you divide that by 100, that means I'm losing 21.77 big blinds every time I double barrel, then call the river. This is a sure sign that players, if we look at the opposite side, right? I double barreled and then called. That means they called a double barrel and then they decided to lead out. Players do that most of the time with some kind of a draw or they're slow playing a big hand. 
finally, when the river comes, they don't want to check and miss out on value. Um, so, of course, they choose to bet, hoping that you call. It's a really common losing situation. I highly recommend that this is the first one that you go into your Poker Tracker 4 database, filter for, and see if you are losing here. When double barreling, then calling the river. The second common calling mistake is betting, then calling a raise on the turn. So very simple filter for this one. You just make any turn bet and you add to it, you called a turn to bet, which is the first raise. Now, when I did this for my own database, I was negative 434 big blinds per 100 hands. So it wasn't the worst win rates I've ever seen. But basically, it means every time I bet the turn and call a raise, I'm losing 4.3 big blinds on average. Not the best of situations. Now, when I ran this, the worst, uh, uh, I guess the worst win rates were in the earliest positions. Small blind, big blind, EP, and MP. And it makes sense because that's where I'm probably betting and then calling from out of position. So it's really worth it, or it would be really worth it if I spent some time and dove into these positions to see uh, what kind of mistakes I'm calling when it's out of position. But you can run that first filter, bet the turn, call the raise, but make a little tweak to it. Uh, Do a new filter for bet turn, and then you made the three bet on the turn. So bet and then re-raised them. When I ran this filter, I was at positive 1,442 big blinds per 100 hands. That means that, you know, when I'm betting and calling, losing a ton of money. But betting and raising, whether it's betting and raising for value or potentially as a bluff sometimes, I'm making money. So it might be a good idea to turn some of those calls or bets and then calls, turn them into bet and then raises or bet and then folding hands. The final filter is a little pre-flop one. Now, I mentioned earlier, the rest of the podcast is going to be post-flop talk. But this is, out of all my students, and for myself for the longest time, this was the worst mistake I was making pre-flop. It is when you two-bet, and then you call a three-bet with pocket pairs, suited connectors, and suited gappers. So... These are three different categories of hands. So what I want you to do is in your Poker Tracker 4 filter, the first filter you add is raised preflop any two bet. The next filter is you called the three bet. And then put in the exact hands, pocket sevens through pocket deuces, and then run the filter. Take a look at the number of hands, the dollars one, and then your win rate when you're open raising calling with sevens through deuces, right? Then remove those hands, um, do it with suited connectors, three deuce suited up through queen jack suited, and then do it with suited gappers, four deuce suited up through queen ten suited. So take a look at each of those with all the number of hands that you did this with, the dollars won, and the win rate associated with each. So you want to think about which hands are costing you the most money when you're raising and then calling. Which ones should you never two bet and then call the three bet with ever again? You need to make a note of any mistake that you made so you can work to not repeat them in the future. Challenge! Here's my challenge to you for this episode. Stop calling when you know you are beat. You often do it in hopes that your one pair hand is good or that your opponent is bluffing. When signs point to your hand being beat, just fold and avoid giving value to your opponents. You've made these losing calls way too many times, and for the sake of your bankroll and your sanity, stop it. Now it's your turn to take action and do something positive for your poker game. 
Oh, that's it now. Get out there and be somebody. Go write a book. Well, please visit the show notes page for everything I discussed today, along with plenty of screenshots and links at www.smartpokerstudy.com slash pod248. And while you're there, you should sign up for the weekly boost for exclusive poker strategy direct to your inbox, as well as the occasional special offer. 